0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is believe. Okay, we're here. I'll show you. Dude, this is a
1: national ballpark museum. They've got displays about all the great old ballparks, not old ball
0: players. And I do mean old. Hey, that's not what I heard. I heard they got a display that features the first homegrown color of rocky. That would be me. Okay, look, there's Bruce Hellerstein over there. He owns the place. Let's go ask him. Hey, that's fine with me. Hi, Bruce. How's it going? Manny, Mark, good to see you guys, come on in. Hey Bruce, Manny here doesn't believe me. He doesn't believe you've got a Mark Knutson
2: display here at your museum. Well, he's sorta of right. Right over here we've got a display all about the Denver Zephyrs. I'm pretty sure Mark's Zephyrs baseball card is in there somewhere.
1: Oh, his minor league card, I gotcha. Hey, it's something, right? If you say so.
2: So, you two just come down here to see the displays. Actually, we're getting ready to do our podcast. Oh, wow. That's great. I had no idea they let you back on the air, Mark. What's your show called?
0: It's the Park Adjusted Rockies Podcast, and now here are your hosts, Mark Knudsen and Manny Randall. Give me a Knudsen. Knudsen! Thank you. It was a Major League Baseball season like no other. The pitch clock saw to that. But did the best team win it all? Do the expanded playoffs give an advantage to teams that haven't earned it? And what about the Colorado Rockies placing this new baseball landscape? Any hope that they can be the Diamondbacks or the Rangers in a couple of years? We went to our best source on all this, former White Sox and Dodgers general manager Dan Evans, to get his take on the season that's passed and what the Rockies should do to make future seasons better. All that and more is coming up next right here on the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast, so don't move. We're back with Bruce Hellerstein, the owner of the National Ballpark Museum across from Coors Field. Bruce, a lot of baseball fans probably haven't been there Tell them what they're missing.
2: Well, Mark, uh, we're the only museum that is totally dedicated to the old classic ballparks, as well as the history of uh, baseball here in Denver and Colorado. We pride ourselves on being the home of those activities so people can uh, appreciate them. And with respect to the old ballparks, uh, I look at it, not only are they classic in built location, they are American treasures. How can one think of America without mentioning the Fenways and the Wrigleys, for example? Tell them what they got to do to come see you. Well, we're open regular hours from 11 to 5 daily, with the exception of Sunday. And when we have Rocky Home Games, we will expand those hours as uh, needed.
0: you got to come see it, Bruce. It's a wonderful place, the National Ballpark Museum on Blake Street, just across from Coorsfield. Field. Bruce, thanks. My pleasure, Mark. Manny, it's been a long time, but we finally got our man. The one and only Dan Evans rejoins the program. Danny, it's great to have you. Uh, I know you've been super busy. Even though you didn't have a Field of Dreams game this year, I know you're busy as, as ever, and we really appreciate you taking this time. he's been busy to- as ever
1: trying to regain the field of vision. There you
0: go.
2: Good
0: yes, to see well, you guys. Uh, How are you again? Was that another pun? Good to see us? Yes. Uh, okay, well, that's... Uh, <laughs> health issues aside we are very glad to have you and it's been it was a fascinating baseball season for a lot of reasons i guess top of the list if we're if we're talking overview is the pitch clock and the, the pace of play i think other than pitchers pitchers hate it i hate it but i think in general it was a it was a raging success does that mean we're going to see more tinkering or less tinkering or is everybody happy with what happened this year
2: well we've seen tinkering in the game for 150 years true and i don't think that'll ever go away i think um I think we should always react because it's a entertainment-based game. Sure, it's a business. Sure, it's a sport. But I think the key is it always has to be an entertainment product in order to bring people to the media to watch it, to the ballpark to see it. I, I think we just saw one of the finest seasons in my memory. I love some of the individual seasons between Otani, between Okunia, Burks. Mandela Cruz comes up and he's an impact guy. I just think the emotion that we're seeing and the entertainment value we're seeing on top of the talent is at an all time high. And we saw great playoff races and we saw good postseason. So I really enjoyed 2023.
1: Do you think that uh, the postseason, just since we just uh, wrapped that up here recently, uh, obviously the Rangers won the World Series for the first time, good, you know, you know a proud moment for that franchise after what was it i guess 62 years of existence uh, including the washington senators years and they win the world series for the first time congrats to them Bruce Bochy's just has that touch he's amazing yes, he um the d-backs surprising everyone just quick quickly what are your thoughts on the current po- the, the the current postseason format because i think there's this there's this tension between this is so exciting because it's like March Madness, but it's like October Madness, and yet we also kind—it's of, kind of a bummer not to see the Braves, you know, go farther, or not see, you know, teams that are powerhouse teams get a real chance to show off their wares in a maybe a longer series. You think there needs to be a little tweaking with the, the length of the series in the early rounds?
2: I do, Manny, and I think comparing it to March Madness is great. I love the NCAA tournament in March. I just absolutely love it. That Thursday, Friday at the beginning is for me the best weekend of the year. Um, I I just think it's incredible, but I think we're not rewarding a six-month marathon like we should. My suggestion would be to take all the wildcard games and make them one-game playoffs. You know, I've been in that a few times. It's not a lot of fun to be in, but the sense of urgency is wonderful. And then make each of the series a best of seven. And I think as a result, there won't be the longer layoff. As a result, you'll reward the better teams for having a longer leash. And also I don't think you should be rewarded for um, not having as good a season um, as your, you know, as the better clubs. And I think one of the things we're seeing also is from an entertainment standpoint, we're seeing the major markets, Los Angeles, New York, Boston, Chicago, uh, the Bay area, we're seeing them wiped out for the world series, hence bad ratings. I mean, we had, Uh, number five and number 13 in the World Series and I think it's better for the game when it's superior players and it's superior teams are in the playoffs and I think also Manny there was no Voldemort this year there's no
0: that's true
2: the World Series there was none I mean you didn't you didn't turn on and go oh yeah they got him good or I want to see this guy (laughs) get I didn't have any of that and as a result you know I, I mean I'm like you guys I'm I'm just absolutely a savant. I'm a crazy fan, and I didn't have that same draw in the World Series, yeah. even though it was very well played. You know, games.
0: You know, you guys mentioned March, you know, October Madness. This turned out to be, and if it had gone longer, November Madness. And Danny, I, your suggestion is is interesting. I think the we we spent all this time trying to speed up the game. We speed up the, but we lengthened the, the seasons. Going on too long. The season. I mean, the World Series, in my opinion, should be over before the NBA starts. It should be over in mid October. Mm-hmm. I think part of the ratings issue is there was so much else going on at that time. NBA, NHL, it all, all started. The NBA's having their their in season tournament. All that stuff's going on besides football. Baseball's got to find a way to tighten it up. It just goes on too long. I think people lose interest when the when you're watching. I mean, the only game I watched from start to finish was on Halloween because I was sitting in the living room ready to pass out candy, and that that's what was on. Honest to God, there's just so much else going on. You couldn't mm-hmm. just sit there and watch the World Series like you used to. They'd never shorten, go back to one fifty four, would they? They'd never do that. But there's other <laughs> ways to tighten it up.
2: Yeah, it'd be great for the game, Mark. It'd be sure great would. for the game. But I think with stadium leases and all the season tickets and all the you know the the marketing and advertising dollars, I think that'll be a very difficult task. But I think it would be good for the sport to take eight games off the schedule. But I just have this problem, uh, very candidly, with. Not rewarding a division championship and not rewarding excellence because yep. Mark, you played, you get it. Yep. To be a team that gets in the hundred win or more range, you're yep. superior starters three, four, and five to everybody. You're deeper, you're That's a thicker. Good point. And I think you'll if, never you get know, to see those guys in the short series,
1: right? If you if you if yeah. you go against a hot you go against a hot uh, if you go against Nola and Wheeler, you might not get to see yep. the That's Braves right. three, four, five guys, right? Yep.
2: So I think we're surrendering two champions. We're doing a regular season champion, and we're doing a postseason champion, and they have very different rosters, needs, and dynamics. And I, I'd like to see us tinker back and change it a little bit more.
1: What if there was a uh, middle ground there? What if they can? Conti- what if they made the postseason longer, like cut the cut the season shorter, but, but made the postseason longer? So in the sense of, and even here's a, here's kind of a maybe a. A controversial potentially controversial idea, but I just it just came to my mind. I thought I'd throw it out there. What if you what if we kind of went old school a little bit on the top two teams and, in terms of record in each division or in each league, get a buy to the NLCS and the ALCS. And then you pay everybody else place to get into that series against them. That kind of maybe rewards you for going for the 105 wins a season rather than maybe do the whole uh Jerry DePoto, we want to win 54% of our games. Uh, just to mm-hmm. get in and then kind have everybody the else get into
2: it. Yeah, the KBO does that. You know, Manny, the only problem with that is for me, the game is a timing game. And Warren Spahn said it best hitting is all about timing and pitching is an upsetting timing. And I think when guys have that much time off, sure. you don't have the, the same fear year. element. Yeah. You don't have the same pitching patterns when you're facing your own guys. And I think then what you do is you stymie the really good club. And I think. The game is such a repetitive game built on, um, you know, we were talking about it before we started the podcast. It's a game that's dependent on the same repetitive actions on a daily basis. I mean, look at how we marvel when a team swings the bat good, even though they didn't have BP. All the little things that go on in the course of the season. And then suddenly everything's wacky when you get to the postseason and everything about the game times. And I think this is a problem. Mark, I'd love to hear your standpoint. You know, there's some games that start in the postseason. At times, you would never start a game in the regular season. And the shadows are brutal. And you're not seeing the five-hole guy. You're seeing one, two, maybe three. And you're seeing the seventh, eighth, ninth inning guys. That's no day at the beach for a hitter. And I think the subsequent problem is we're, we're taking a product that's absolutely outstanding and we're limiting it from being successful in the postseason
0: well you know that's a very good point um and yes the, the staggered times are a little weird to deal with um the argument the counter argument is well both teams are playing in the same circumstances so that should balance it out which is also true but what you're talking about i think is moving the world series back to the daytime like it used to be i mean b- back when you and i were growing up dan world series was the daytime you're, you're listening you're in sitting in class with your transistor radio, trying to hear the game, or you're getting your teacher to put it on the TV. Yeah. Well, I, not necessarily, necessarily there was, right? So romance. Things, yeah. There was romance in that. There was. None, there was. It was not necessarily,
1: that. though, right, Mark? Because I mean, you, you play most of your games at night. True. In the regular but season, if you're
0: worried about start. Stat, I mean, if you want to steady start times, and because of the East Coast West Coast thing, and TV dictates everything, you're never going to get that at night because that's prime yeah. time. That's the time to worry about it. And well,
2: guys. I'll tell you what. I was in Cleveland for the Saber Board meetings, games one or two. This game started at eight ten, and you know I was, and I'm. There's no way I'm turning the game off, but I was scuffling like a duck in the desert, close to midnight, yep. just going. You know, this is how the East Coast is watching the series. Yep. This isn't necessarily right. good for the game.
1: What about uh, more buys or more not buys, more off days? Uh, you know, kind of like uh, the basketball regular season. Well, you can't do just that. In the the post, just, in the post just in the postseason. Just in the postseason. Well, that's going to make it
0: longer again.
1: Um, well, yeah, I, it makes it longer, but you also get rest. Your, pitch, your pitchers are a little bit more rested. You get a better chance to which, kind of line things up a little which, bit.
0: Which means you're going to see the top guys again, and three, four, and five aren't going to pitch very much. I mean, when I when I was a fifth starter, I, I back in the day, we had 10-man pitching staffs. When I was a fifth starter, I was the long man because of off days. I was also the long man. That's right. I did both. So, mm-hmm. if you're going to do that, what, what you're doing is your three, four, and five guys are becoming relief pitchers. Kind of like pitchers.
1: what Bruce Bochy did, although it yeah. worked out for, for the Rangers. Yeah. I mean, using your yeah. guys, using the starting pitchers in, in, in middle in relief. relief because relief. your bullpen that's it wasn't right. reliable. But that's what you're that's I reason. think
2: what we have, two guys, is we have a sense of urgency for teams that are crawling into the postseason, that yeah. are trying to get those last two spots. And I give them credit. They play well when they have to. That sense of urgency makes that first playoff round a very easy situation for them especially if you're on the road you have no distractions and I think people would be shocked if they knew how in the postseason you don't mind playing on the road because you don't have you don't have any distractions you get to the ballpark six seven hours before the game and you hang out with the with the guys and all of a sudden the game is played and you don't have any of the tensions you have. As right. a home team, you have, I, I just you're yeah, right. And I just think one of one of the problems we got, Mark, is that you know when when you get hot and you go, you get hot to get in Arizona. Great example this year. Arizona was floundering. They started to play well. Well, that best of three series at you know on the road wasn't real intimidating to them. They've been playing have to win games for an extended period. Yep. I think the veteran managers have shown us. In the last three World Series, they prevailed. So I think there's a lot of old school positives to what we've seen in the postseason. But the the problem I've got is the elite teams, the Dodgers, the Braves, the Mets a couple years ago. You take a look at the really good clubs. I want to see them play as deep as I can. And I want to see them play as deep as I can because they not only have the best players, but they have the most drama. They have the largest TV markets, and they have the clubs that people enjoy watching play. I think part of the problem this year, the Rangers and the Diamondbacks were not a couple clubs that people thought were must-see TV. And subsequently, the ratings displayed it.
0: Danny, one thing you left out, uh, those guys who are, are playing like that also are playing with nothing to lose. I've been in that That's circumstances right. where, where where no one expects anything. No on, there was no pressure on the Diamondbacks coming up playing like you said, playing all those must win games in the regular season. Once they got in, it was like everything was gravy after that. While the yeah. Braves and the, do- the Dodgers are playing tight because they're so of the expectations, the Diamondbacks had none and played looser. And that's well, that's yeah. always gonna be part of it. So there's nothing you can do to change that.
1: I think I think one of the things that Dan one of the points that Dan brings up is important in, in the sense that it goes back to the whole we need longer series early in the postseason because um the Braves, for example, and the Dodgers. The, I mean, they played they played very poorly, particularly offensively, both of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we knew the Dodgers had pitching issues uh with injuries and starting depth, starting pitching depth problems. The Braves just didn't hit, which was the shocking thing, right? On on its face. And same with the Dodgers. Those were the two of the best the two best uh offensive clubs in the national league. Well, we know the pitching is better in the postseason, but when you have a short again, you have a short series, you can get shut down pretty quick. When you have a mm-hmm. seven-game set, maybe in the division series, for example. So you know you got, the, you got the Braves and the Dodgers would have had buys because they won their divisions. They're the one and two two seed. They get into the division series automatically. Mm-hmm. The teams that come in to play them maybe lower lower seeds, and so there's the advantage. But again, you got a hot couple of starting pitchers at the lower seed. You can knock out. You know, and and it's fun. It's that madness idea. But again, mm-hmm. you have seven games to play or a seven-game series do we think that the d-backs would have swept the dodgers i mean maybe because the way that, that series went was just brutal but yeah. seven get you think the d-backs are going to win four straight against the dodgers do you think that in a seven game series the braves get knocked out that easily probably not so if you really want to allow the the full roster to shine on a really superior team with a better roster then you got to extend those series in the first round or the first couple of rounds you know maybe you maybe Mm -hmm. you go to a you know even if it means um you know like shortening up the wild card wild card is pretty much as short as you can get but like dan was saying like Mm -hmm. a one game thing but again it incentivizes winning right if you have a one game uh uh, wild card game it's like we don't want to have to be in that spot let's win and if we win we get a full seven game set to 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 prove our medal and get to the next round
0: i can can certainly see that i can certainly see that
2: yeah you know manny the, the problem the problem i have is that I want to I want to see our best product on the field that's what I want to see i don't root for teams i mean I'll be honest i used to root for the team that paid me and uh, i just I'm rooting not like a bad not a, not a bad that's, thing that, not that, a bad thing that that's who i was rooting for but now <laughs> i root for people and i root for players and i root for the sport and just as an example and i'd love your guys thoughts on this you know when i saw a bullpen game In game five, or maybe it was game six, I forget what it was. I was like, oh, no, you know, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see a bullpen game on our biggest stage. And, you know, and I get it. I understand sometimes it might happen. It's a victim of circumstances. It's basically six weeks of having to win, and it's attrition, it's injuries.
1: It's also a result of of inferior rosters getting to the final round. Right.
2: you're exactly right and that's why they won 84 games during the regular season you know and when you're as deep as now look at let's just talk about a club real quick the dodgers they win a hundred games without goslin
1: remarkable
2: without walker without walker bueller it wasn't... right walker bueller out for most of the season yep. they don't have kershaw they have a couple other guys go down they won a hundred games to me that's an extraordinary accomplishment I I thought Dave Roberts did a masterful job and what happens three games and you're done. Yeah. And I don't like, I don't like it. And I know people will say, Oh, you know, is that fourth game really going to make a difference? Yes, it would. The fourth game would make a difference because the Diamondbacks fourth starter and their third starter showed us in the postseason they weren't as good as Kelly and they certainly weren't, weren't as good as their number one guy, Delvin. And I think, What we saw as a result is teams who basically crawled their way in, sputtered when their three, four, fives pitched, and excelled when their one and two guys go. I like to reward depth because part of a championship team is a deep, talented team.
0: Yeah, Well, that's certainly the the case. Um, And the the, the Dodgers won 100 games with that roster this year is remarkable. You're right. Dave Roberts did a fantastic job getting that team to where they got them. Because uh, honestly, I was not surprised that the Diamondbacks beat them because I just wasn't sure how the Dodgers had done what they had done to begin with. But nonetheless, a team that would like to crawl into the playoffs and win 84 games is our Colorado Rockies. Um, We do have to spend a little time talking about this. I think, and it's ironic, we had them on the podcast, our last podcast, the Rockies just got hit with a huge loss when Clint Hurdle went left the minor league organization and went to coach with, with the California Angels, with the Anaheim Angels. Um, that The Rockies, in my opinion, had had two losses like that. When they lost Kelly McGregor, when he passed away, same situation. They lost Clint Hurdle, who should have been the team president rather than just my – but, I mean, his vision and his thoughts were so valuable to that organization. I don't know how they recover from this, Manny. I really don't. I don't know how the man, minor league doesn't just slide back to the way it was before Clint came in.
1: Well, you're, you make a really important point there, Mark, by saying it's a huge loss given what hurdle represented Yep, the last real, the only guy to really win, right. To get to the, to, to the uh, world series and the type of personality he has, it's a, it, it's a move forward type of personality rather than a stay stagnant type of personality. Uh, so I, I think, You know, like you said, he's probably the closest thing that the Rockies had to McGregor in terms of kind of a guy who you look at and say he's he's shown he's had success and he's he's inspiring. He inspires people. So you lose that. And if there's anything that the Rockies are not in terms of overall feel or vibe to their team is inspiring. They're not an inspiring group. They're not a team that you look at and say you feel good about how, you know, you feel there's that it factor regarding they're going to get it they're going to get this done one way or another they're not just going to stand still it, it kind of takes me back to it goes back to the diamondbacks right and i think there's an interesting dichotomy here there's an interesting juxtaposition actually regarding the diamondbacks and the rockies the diamondbacks and the rockies were basically in the same place in a lot of ways in 2020 or in 2018 well, well, yeah. right right after they both made the postseason and they played each other in wild card game. you look at the trajectories from there and they both kind of started out going down hard D-backs lose 110 games in 21 and then suddenly the Diamondbacks are in the World Series two years later. yeah we mitigating factors like regarding the, the format and getting out at the right time and everything else but could you even imagine the Rockies even being in a position to even get to the postseason at all that's how we're, far we're, behind the, the Rockies cl- are
0: we're kind of close to the situation but Dan you're not um what's the I mean around here a lot of people say well the, the Diamondbacks lost 100 games the Orioles lost 100 games and they came back the Rangers lost 100 games they came back is there any thought throughout baseball that the Rockies can do something like that Exactly. None.
2: Zero. Does not exist. And here's the big thing, and Manny, you bring up the Diamondbacks. There's no comparison in the scouting staff.
1: That's the point, right
2: there. The top front office people and the general managers of the two. I mean, Mike Hazen, so far superior to Bill Schmidt. And when you start comparing teams like that, you know, you, you take a look at the Orioles. I mean, the Orioles had a game plan. The Orioles have a passion about, you know, how they're going to do it. This is a club in Colorado that went into the season in late January in Greeley talking about contending for a playoff spot and maybe being a 500 club. Very honestly, guys, I was really, there's a lot of professional courtesy coming from me for an extended period when I first came here. It doesn't exist anymore because for me, when you're not transparent about who you are, and you continue to do the same thing again and again, an inept baseball operations plan and no transparency as far as who you are as a franchise, you deserve to be bad. I think the only saving grace they have is a glorious ballpark and a ballpark that is fun as heck to go to. And the problem they've got is the ballpark is such a superior experience to the talent they have in the front office and it shows up in a season. I mean, we just saw the worst Rockies team in franchise history, and there's no hope that they're better in 2020. That, that's
0: two, two, two good points there, Danny. One, you called the front office inept. That's where Clint Hurdle's lost Hurts because I think he he did not have a plan. He was talking to us about the plan. And, mm-hmm. and two, the comments you talked about really came from the owner, not from the front office people. I don't think the front office people necessarily felt the same way Dick did. I mean, Manny and I were sitting, what, 30 feet away from him when he made those comments and everyone Ooh. cringed because we all knew it wasn't gonna be the, that wasn't gonna be the case. I think we both we're all on record for saying this. I think Dick would be better served to just let someone else do the talking and let someone else do the just sit back and be the quiet owner, be the Stan Cronky, and let the let baseball people do it. Because I'm not sure Bill Schmidt's inept. I'm not sure the people are inept. we just don't know yet. But man, losing losing Clint is a big loss. Well, and yeah, I don't and, know how they replace and, him. I really it's don't. a
1: good point that I I think Bill Schmidt is, and we've talked about this too. He's a very quiet type. He's not going to be the one to just be to verbalize he what he's that. thinking at all. I think he has an idea about what what he wants to do. The question is how much of it is going to get implemented, yep. and how much is going to be not because again the the ownership ownership you know determines how much of a thumb the owner is going to have on the scale versus not, or how much you're going to let people below you do their thing kind of exactly. by on their own do what they're doing. And I think that, uh, again, going back to the D backs, and I think it's the, 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 the you know, the, they can hide a lot of times they can say that they're a small market, right? These both clubs, right? Rockies, Dimebacks, small market, small quote unquote small market. The Dimebacks have a much lower payroll than the Rockies. The Rockies are more mid. The Dimebacks are probably bottom 10. But again, it goes back to what Dan said scouting, development, these yeah. things, the D backs, this is where the Corbin Carrolls come from. This is where players come from that can perform when needed on a big stage. And I think that I remember when the D-backs were here in August, they were, they were absolutely fading from, from view regarding postseason play. They had lost, I think 25 out of 30, something like that. They had just lost to the Rockies uh, game. One of the series, I was talking to Christian Walker. He said, "Uh, I do not sense in this clubhouse that we are thinking that this is not a postseason team. This is a playoff team. He said that aged incredibly well. And he said, this is the these are the times that are kind of fun in this in a weird way that we get to find out who we really are. There's a, a passion. I think that's the word that Dan used. Passion. We intensity, uh, some sort of sense of the inspirational. These kinds of things are things that seem to be missing up and down the Rockies organization. Whereas the D backs, if nothing else, hey, 84 wins or 95 wins, regardless, they have a pennant. They're gonna hang next year the rockies just seem to be missing that element of and it starts with grooming guys at the lower levels to think that way right and i don't think the rockies have something special i think in nolan jones and potentially ezekiel tobar as well but beyond that there is nothing to look to and say this is a team that has what it takes to within two years like we're talking about it's not a real fair comparison but hey the orioles and the d-backs were both the hunter lost teams two years ago and here they are so are the rangers you know
2: so Danny, uh, you know what I, my my comment to that is, who are you as an organization? How do you, you know, define What is your
1: identity? Team? Who are you?
2: Right. There is no entertainment value to the players that are in the Rockies uniforms. You mentioned a couple guys to me, they're just okay guys. I don't think they're lights out superlative guys that I get excited about coming to the ballpark. I think the problem with the Rockies is a complete lack of identity. Who yep. are we as a team? Agreed. You, you know, they claim they're there. I, I, I've i heard it enough times and I chuckle when I hear it. We're a draft and develop organization. Well, they haven't done a very good job of that. We haven't. And they've drafted in the top 10 more than any other team in their division. And they have nothing to show for it. They make the fewest trades in baseball. They And that's a fact. They just yep. don't make trades. They fall in love with their own. But the other thing they do is they don't get aggressive internationally. They don't scout in Japan or Korea. And as a result, they limit their chances of being successful as much or more than any team in baseball. And I think when you're putting as many people through the turnstiles as they are craving for entertainment in a Denver spring and summer, and you deliver what you delivered this year, it's a shame. And as a guy who's been in the game for 40 years and went to a bunch of games at Coors this year. The only times I went to games was to see the other club because the other club was, was worth watching. There was no one in a Rockies uniform that I would go to watch play. And that in itself is a damning statement.
0: Yeah, we hope that certainly hope that changes with Jones and Tobar and <clears throat> Brenton Doyle, Gold Glove winner, so, so, so on and so forth. But we'll see. Hey, Dan, before we let you go, um, we got to talk about the Field of Dreams. You have the cornfield in your background. People can't see that, but maybe next time. Tell, we didn't have a Field of Dreams game this past year. <clears throat> I know you got one planned for August. Tell us where things stand with the Field of Dreams.
2: Well, there's a stadium that is in the process of um, being delivered that'll probably be a candidate for a game in 25 or 26 with the stadium should be done in the spring of 25 and will yield a, a venue that is, be superior to just about any smaller ballpark in the game. It'll be a really exciting place to see a big league game.
0: So nothing on the docket for this August either. It's no
2: construction going on on the property, Mark. It just won't be ready.
0: Doesn't mean you get to rest, though.
2: <laughs> rest, rest, as Tommy Lasorda said to me once, is for those who have their eyes closed permanently.
1: And you don't. And if and and for those who, who are wondering from what about what we were talking about at the top, Dan just literally had a serious eye injury um, that he's recovered from. So we're happy that he's got his full vision and he'll be able to keep both eyes open real quick before. We, also, before we let you go, I, we'd be remiss not to ask yeah. you about some of these Pacific Rim stars that are going to have been posted and are going to be coming to the major leagues uh, between Yamamoto, yeah. Jung-Hoo Lee. Uh, What can you tell us about this new class that we're going to see in the majors here in 2024?
2: Well, there's three really exciting players coming over, Manny. I've had the chance to see them in person, see a lot of them um, live on video and seen them recorded a ton. Yamamoto is going to be a star. He's 25 years old, right-handed pitcher. He's about 5'10", 5'11", real wiry frame, one of the elite athletes in the world. Um, Just a fantastic pitcher, four-pitch mix. His velocity is real good. His spin rate is extremely high. He's got 80 command. He knows how to pitch. His slider is extraordinary. His splitter is absolutely devastating. Um, He's got a spin rate on his slider and his splitter that are world-class. He's going to be a number one or number two starter, and he's going to be in the prime of his career. He's pitched in the more offensive league, the Pacific League in Japan. He's going to make a ton of money and deservedly so. He's elite. Where's, where's the other ma- I think he's going go to go to a Mets, market. Really. That, well, I'm going to say he goes to a market that scouted him aggressively. And uh, that don't won't Rockies, necessarily be. Uh, well, it won't necessarily be a large market, but huh. it'll be a team that scouts extensively in Asia and knows the character of the kid. I mean, He's a Sawamura Award winner, and for people who are on the periphery and don't really know the Japanese game, they think that's the Cy Young equivalent. It's not even close. It's a character award combined with talent. His character is extraordinary. The center fielder is an elite player. He's got all sorts of two-way skills. He's going to be an impact guy. At the big league level, right away. Not necessarily a power and guy, though,
1: John Lee, Right, he's he's no, more of a no, contact guy.
2: Exactly, but an elite contact guy, and a guy who's going to swing the bat and play the field and play the 2024 game, um, which is a different game. It's yep, a speed, speed. It's a speed game, a contact game. It rewards athleticism. This kid is elite. He is really fun to watch play. I saw him when he was 17, and I thought, whoa, this is going to be special. The last guy for me is a left-hander who I've seen since he first started, and that's Shota Imanaga, who played for the um, Yokama Base Stars, and he played for Alex Ramirez, who you know, Mark, as a a really good – I mean, he's a Japanese Hall of Famer. And um, Imanaga is a a well-above-average fastball guy, with exceptionally high spin his spin rate is 25 to 2600 he pitches north and south he's an up in the zone guy with a slider and a changeup. he is going to be the sleeper in this mix the teams that scout over there saw a lot of his starts and he's a guy who's going to sign quickly he may wait for Yamamoto to establish the market but Imanaga is going to be a top three starter on a big league team in 25, and he's coming over at a good age. He's still in his 20s playing for an elite <clears throat> team. In what, are the, what
1: are the Rockies <clears throat> missing? Real quick before we move on from the Japanese pair, what are the Rockies missing because of the fact that they are so light um, on the Pacific Rim players? Because the last time we saw, a, for example, a pitcher, really anybody that I can think of um, from that region originally was uh, Sun 1-0.
2: Yeah, Manny, they just don't have an awareness over that. And this. that was a trade, um, I
1: mean, right? That,
0: that was even, a trade uh, yeah. at the end of his that was career. was a trade with,
2: yeah. with my Blue Jay team. And um, they just don't have any awareness whatsoever. As an example, they didn't scout Otani when Otani was coming over. Wow. And, you wow. know, that to me… That's, a, that's an indictment right never, there. Well, but Manny, you can never turn the faucet off when it comes to the flow of talent. You've got to know Taiwan. You've got to know China. You've got to know Australia. Japan and Korea are elite baseball. And as a result, you know, here's players coming over that they don't have the character background. They don't know enough about the guy. You're not going to drop a lot of money on a guy if you don't have a lot of background on him. And the only way you know that stuff is you have scouts on the ground getting that information. And and the 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 worst part
0: about that that right now is the Rockies this year are in a position right now with – A lot of money off the books. They have the money to go do something like that right now. They may not in the future, but right now they do. And it's a shame if they'd let this opportunity slip by because, um, again, they won't always have this opportunity.
2: Yeah. You know, and I hear all the comments about, oh, we got burned in the free agent market. That was 25 years ago. Yeah. When you start looking at Hampton and Nagel, it's a different world. And I'm just going to tell you guys, there is no doubt in my mind about Yamamoto's impact in the big leagues. And they won't even play on them, and that's a shame. When you lose as many games as they did this year, you at least have to have awareness of the replacement factor, and they don't even have that.
1: Some of it is just sending guys out there for just for due diligence, isn't that the word? Aren't those the words there? Due diligence, if nothing else.
2: Yeah, when those guys become free agents, when those guys become tradable um, assets later on, to have that background on a guy is a superior knowledge. You know, I mean, they look at Doyle as their center fielder of the future. He doesn't even have a 5% walk rate. He's got to hit. You know, Lee would walk hit. you know, and he's got to hit a lot more than he did this year. And I look at it, Manny, and I see Lee, who's who's I think a better center fielder than Doyle. Defensively? And a way better. Wow. Yes. And a way wow. better offensive player.
0: <clears> so well, for me,
2: when you start, you start talking about a guy like that and you don't even go scout him, Imagine how good they'd be if both of those guys were in the outfield.
0: But you signed Chris Bryant for millions. Two of years, years ago. Yeah, I, I, I would. I
2: would. I would have never engaged. No, he's I not know. a player for me. That at that stage of his career, career at, was at that, all yeah. enticing to me.
1: I know. I know. Well, yeah. I don't think he was enticing to a lot. Of, I, I would. I would say he might not have been enticing to a lot of a lot of teams. I mean, the Rockies paid 182 million, and mm-hmm. from all from all accounts, and from all of you know. From all I can tell from others that, uh, who, who are kind of in the know, he wasn't going to get that anywhere else. They were bidding
0: against themselves.
2: Well, and guys, here's the problem this time of the year. In November, teams are trying to shed contracts. And again, in somewhat in December mm-hmm. also. Is there a more untradeable contract in baseball than Chris Bryant? No. And when that's the case, you're saddled with a guy who has to excel in order to get value. And I have nothing against Chris. Chris, a good guy, all that kind of stuff, but Chris Bryant on the 2022 and 2023 Rockies was not the answer to the equation. Yeah. And now they're saddled with a the contract they can't move.
1: It was the same, same, same kind of thing that was said about Desmond. Nice guy, you know, yep. you know, character wise, all that kind of stuff. Not a seventy million dollar player, couldn't move him.
0: Yep. No. It's not how much money you spend; it's how you spend it. And that's exactly. it, that's, that's. And then when at. you
1: spend it, and then you say we got burned in free agency. Yeah. Well, that's who's, to me mark, who's, who's that on? To me, who's mark, that
2: on? one of the problems in the game is we talk about payroll instead of who the payroll consists right. of. Absolutely, you right. know, you can do a lot of great things with 50 to 75 million mm-hmm. if you do it well. Spending yeah. to spend certainly is not the way to win. That's
0: right. Hey, Danny, we really appreciate your time as always. I know you're super busy. We we still want to have you and Frank Thomas back together at some point. Uh, whenever you I can, we'd love up. to do that. Let me say, let me say, let me say this, too, Dan. For that. Yeah, and let and me he's say this too, and that. I
1: think I've I think I've mentioned it, but the primary <laughs> here reason here to, have,
0: to, have on, uh, to have here we Frank
1: on and to have the big hurt on I, with us. Uh, I was
2: there, Manny. You were I was in the in building. A tie that night, and you know what? Hello, we need. We and...
1: really need to to. I don't think we've done justice to just <laughs> God. how incredible that first career Good major God. league hit was for the big hurt, Good and the fact God. that right right oh. when that happened we knew he was going to be a superstar even potential yeah. hall of famer like he ended up being yeah. because to to drill that pitch off of a pitcher a, a quality pitcher like mark knutson okay. okay. and put it over I, I i mean i just i only wish we had Statcast cast for it so we need frank on yeah. primarily for that we could get to other things so like like uh feel like of Dreams maybe the,
0: Field of dream like yeah, uh
1: man. you know like like his his magnificent <laughs> career and his yeah, relationship famer, okay. with you that goes back yeah. decades. But that's the problem. I think August 2nd of
2: 1990 is the focal point. I just think think that's the day we lock in. And I I just think we talked to Mark about earlier in the count when the umpires squeezed him a little bit. And see, Dan remembers pitch
1: by pitch, man.
2: I do, and Mark does too. That's the problem.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You guys, man. There's so Let's many more happen. important things to talk to the man about than that. The fact that he follows me on Twitter now, I got it. That's uh, that's good for me. I, well, I, I mean, you got to follow the, the guy. You got your first hit off. I mean, yeah, that's, I, just, I that's, that's just that's, that's just a formality. There you go. Hey, Danny, we appreciate it, as always. Safe travels back and forth to Iowa. Uh, I know you got the saber saber meetings coming up this week, right? For you two? Uh, it, no, it,
2: no, you? no, I'm home. I'm home. I'm home for a while. Which I mean, the, the, local saber, isn't
0: the local saber in the local saber meeting this week sometime.
2: Yeah, this week, but I'm going to be out of town that day, so I can't do it.
0: Okay, Manny will take over for you.
1: All right. <laughs> if I'm there, I'll take over. I, well, I don't know. You have nothing
2: not like you have anything else to
1: do. I'm not. I'm cover. not. I'm no longer on the board. So um, I, well, think, I think you know, Danny you're still and I are on the both... board.
2: You're on the board through December 31st. Oh, okay. All right. oh, okay well,
1: I so, to make the most right, of it then. so.
2: President, pro tem, or whatever you want to
1: call Danny it. Danny right? and I, I think we we are among the group that has taken a step back.
0: So. All right, man. Yeah. Take, take, yeah. Take,
2: take, well, guys, great be, great dealing with both of you guys. Have fun. Thanks, Dan, Love as always. Great holidays. You know what's really cool? It's mid-November, and we're talking baseball. That's, That's
0: right, fun. man. Always. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Hey, man, you got a closer for us? Yep. Wrap it up out right of the this. Fin. We will be back. at Spark Adjusted Rockies Podcast. Don't go anywhere. The place to catch all the big game action is at Stoney's Bar & Grill, now with four great locations, including Winter Park and the original at 11th and Lincoln. Great food, great service, and unrivaled game day atmosphere. There's no better place to watch your favorite teams in action. To find out more, check out stonysbarandgrill.com.
1: With more and more superb talent coming from the East Asian Pacific Rim countries, most notably Japan and South Korea, it's fair to ask the question, are the Rockies doing enough in terms of scouting and pursuit of players from that region? Our guest on this week's podcast, former Dodgers general manager and White Sox assistant general manager Dan Evans, who also served as the director of Pacific Rim operations for the Blue Jays in recent years, gave us a quick breakdown of the three most prominent players, from that area expected to be available for major league teams to sign this offseason. Right-handed pitcher Yoshinobu Yamamoto, left-hander Shota Imanaga, and outfielder Jung-Hoo Lee. The Rockies are not expected to be in the mix for any of them, but that's not surprising given Colorado's history of signing players from that part of the world. In the franchise's three-decade history, it has signed exactly one player from the region. Taiwan's Chen Hui-Sao, a right-handed pitcher who appeared in 29 games for the Rockies, from 2003 to 05, The Rockies have certainly had a handful of players from East Asia suit up for them over the years, but outside of Sao they have all been acquired via trade or free agency. Now, on the other hand, most impact players who come from the Pacific Rim leagues are established stars there, and they generally command big money from big markets. It can be tough to compete in that pool of spenders if you're the Rockies. But still, is there a due diligence factor that's being overlooked here? with players from NPB, KBO, and other leagues proving their mettle in the majors the past several years. Colorado is currently in a transitional period. It lacks an identifiable identity moving forward and is in the early phases of the Bill Schmidt era. Will the organization establish a discernible footprint there? Time will tell. But given how many players have made a successful jump from there to MLB in recent years, from Shohei Otani to Kodai Senga, It seems that it would, as former Rockies manager Jim Tracy might say, behoove the organization to intensify efforts in that part of the baseball world.
0: Manny slams a door and brings us to the end of another episode of the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. Our thanks to the man behind the Field of Dreams, former Big League GM Dan Evans, for educating us. Some things to think about, that's for sure. As always, thanks to you for joining us. We'll catch you next time.